another episode of can you dig it a podcast by silver screen and roll and sb nation lakers community you can find us over on silverscreenandroll.com or you can follow us over at social at lakers sbn tweeting most of the time at silver screen and roll is uh my co-host every week uh and i'm of course talking about grant goldberg grant how are you feeling today bud i am feeling pumped you know we don't get lakers wins as often as we would like especially after this christmas uh stretch where they're like i don't know 10 and 16 or something like that right but the lakers have won they beat the pelicans uh which apparently is no small feat uh we uh <laughs> we got to see a, a pretty incredible game uh at least to close uh, from LeBron James, we got to see a, another nice game from Brandon Ingram, which was, which was of course, welcomed. So uh, I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, I can't wait to be uh, let down eventually sometime soon. <laughs> yeah, it, it turns out LeBron isn't washed. I saw that, no. like, all this week that LeBron's washed. And, uh, you know, watching watching the, the past few games, I think you could talk yourself into it if you really wanted to. Uh, Dude, like, here's the thing. Like, I saw him like being named in like the same like in the same sentence as Kobe in his last year. And don't get me wrong, I love Kobe. He's my favorite basketball player (laughs) ever. But in no way. Yeah, he was awful. Yeah, Kobe was. I mean, save for that one dunk on Clint Capella (laughs) and his last game, Kobe Bryant was was virtually unwatchable in his final year and uh sick to my stomach max <laughs> kellerman <laughs> oh, oh it was max kellerman oh no no oh no um, you just uh quoted Stephen it, a yes yes okay, to quote okay. the great Stephen a i'm sick <laughs> to my stomach max kellerman <laughs> That's so funny. I, but here's the thing i mean and i guess we can start off by talking about lebron we can talk about how the lakers won because uh, when it, it seemed like whenever the Lakers got in, into their biggest lead of the game or the biggest lead of the quarter, the Pelicans would kind of creep back and, and make it a game. And and Julius Randle was a big part of that. Uh, Anthony Davis, when he played, was a huge thorn in the side of the Lakers. Drew Holiday is an Always. absolute killer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. There is not many players that I love more than Drew Holiday in his game. It's so fun to watch. But, Christian, I, I guess this is my first question for you, uh, and then you can ask me whatever question you have. How do you think the Lakers were able to pull this out despite, you know, bad three-point shooting for the most of the night and, you know, inconsistent play, letting the Pelicans get back into the game? How were they able to maintain these leads? Um, well, they took care of the ball. Uh, that was the biggest thing. I think their defensive effort was right about where it was against Memphis. And of course they lost that game. Uh, it was a tough loss, but, uh, taking care of the ball was the biggest thing for them. I think they've had double digit turnovers in in a few of their recent games. I know against, uh, sorry, let me look here real quick. Against Memphis, I believe they turned the ball over 13 times. 
which is not great. Uh, and they turned the ball over only eight times against the Pelicans. So that was the biggest thing to me. And, um, you know, Rajon Rondo has been very bad lately. Um, I don't think that t- t- anybody that's watched the Lakers play over the past few games uh, can see that. But, you know, tonight, 11 points, 16 assists, and only two turnovers. Uh, that's that's going to get it done from a backup point guard. And, um, I mean, he played 37 minutes and he started. Uh, but on uh, when the Lakers are healthy, Lonzo Ball, we're assuming, is going to start. And Rajon Rondo is going to be that backup point guard. So, if he can take care of the ball... Um, his defense is still like horrid. I, uh, but if, if he can, you know, dish out assists in within the flow of the offense, don't yeah. go hunting assist Rondo. Come on, bud. Like, and that's, I, I tweeted today that Rajon Rondo's the Elmer Fudd of point guards, dude. He's like, he's a hunter, but he's a very bad hunter. Uh, but tonight oh he got a gosh. few of them to go, uh, <laughs> 16, 16 to be exact. And, uh, yeah, I think that was probably the the biggest difference maker in this one. Yeah, I, I think when you, know, you look at the box score and 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 a lot of fans look at the box score to indicate how good a player was in right. a particular game, and they see Rondo with sixteen assists. I'd say most of them were a little more legitimate than you know the ones that he's racked up in the last few games. Um, I, I think the point that you had about the assist being within the flow of the offense, not kind of derailing the offense, looking to fill his stat sheet. Um, you know, we, we saw the Lakers play a little more loose today. You know, the, the basketball wasn't as rough to watch. It wasn't that kind of lifeless uh, ball being stopped for, you know, eight seconds, you know, in one guy's hands and another eight seconds in another guy's hands. Uh, the ball moved a little bit more. Um, Rondo played a good part in that. Like you said, I, I, I think defensively, the the bad outweighed the good still. Rondo, I, I think, definitely likes to start more than coming off the bench. We see <laughs> yeah. it in his play. We see it in his energy. Right. Um, we, just see, we, just, we just see a more engaged Rondo. But I, I think having a player like Reggie Bullock to, to pass and the ball immediately goes up for a shot, uh, so the ball just doesn't, you know, stick, and they end up with the worst shot. So yeah, I, I think Rondo played a better game tonight. He's still not a, a good now. Um, and and until the Lakers get more depth, until the, the Lakers get Lonzo Ball back, I think we're still gonna have that offense that, you know, the ball is just being pounded, and, and so about you know four seconds left in the shot clock. So I, I think the Lakers did a better job of that tonight. Um, and in result, they got to win. Yeah. And uh, to your point about Reggie Bullock, I was, I was watching the game and just thinking, man, this is the player. The Lakers were probably hoping Contavious Caldwell Pope would be. Cause I mean, he was just the only, and, and only two three pointers in the game. But um, I mean, when he made them, they looked real pretty and he went five for nine for the, from the field. Uh, for a total of 14 points. Uh, great game for him. I really liked what he brought to the floor. But, uh, of course, we can't talk about this game without talking about LeBron's stat line. 33 points, 10 assists, 6 rebounds on 54.2% from the f- uh, shooting from the field, uh, which is obviously a great stat line. Uh, also added two steals and a, and a block. Um, but 
LeBron James, you can you can count on him being, I mean, at least putting up numbers every night. The Lakers had three players with at least 20 points, and all of them shot above 50% from the field. Uh, and I'm, of course, talking about um, Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzma, who have been the numbers two and three to LeBron James for most of the season, except now it feels, it, it really does feel like they're legitimate number two and three options. I mean, uh, LeBron said it himself at shoot around on, on Wednesday that he's, he's just really enjoying seeing them come into their own, their growth. And over these past, um, I want to say 20 games now, uh, Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzma have looked like legitimate starters on NBA teams on NBA teams, like 20 uh, on 20 teams around the league. They'd probably, probably be starters. Look, I'm not going to say that everyone who said Brandon Ingram was Andrew Wiggins 2.0 needs to de- deactivate their Twitter, but I'm not not saying that. Um, I, I, I can't say enough words to describe how good Brandon Ingram's been. It legitimately worries me that he's playing so well, he's turning a corner right now, that yeah. he's going to miss like two or three weeks. Now, right. because he's gonna, you know, get his foot stepped on by some defender, and we're gonna be just dreading life without not only our number one point guard Lonzo, but number two in in Brandon Ingram. Obviously, besides LeBron James, yeah. Um, but you know, in his last four games, Ingram's had twenty seven points, twenty nine points, thirty two points, twenty three points, and <laughs> he's shot pretty well from the field but what's you know impressed me more than that is his work at the free throw line he's top 10 in the league and getting to the line and he's actually converting shots from the charity stripe and you know that's been such a big issue for the lakers it was a big issue tonight against the right. pelicans they missed uh, another double digit uh free throw uh total tonight so you know there's still work to be done but it's good to see at least one person in brandon ingram you know, making that improvement, I, I think, you know, the Lakers obviously, you know, have to have put in a lot of work at the free throw line, and mm-hmm. we're not seeing results immediately. But uh, it's good to see, you know, Brandon Ingram, his work is, you know, showing through. I, I think, you know, he gets kind of a bad rap uh, amongst NBA Twitter and, and a lot of talking heads. But, you know, whoever watches Laker games, it's pretty easy and pretty evident to see that Brandon Ingram is playing really well. He's playing at a high level and, you know, his growth, you know, has shown exponentially, not only in this stretch of time, but, you know, from year one to year two, there's a noticeable improvement. And I think from, from year two to year three now, there has been that noticeable improvement. And uh, I don't think enough people are talking about that. I don't think so either. And I think to your point about the free throws, uh, I've, I've been impressed with that as well, obviously. And I think that was always the key for Brandon Ingram unlocking his potential, at least as a scorer, because we know with his, you know, stretch Armstrong arms, like his go-go gadget wingspan that he has, um, he's always going to get to the rim. He's going to beat his guy off the dribble. Um, he could stand at the free throw line and, and dunk it. It feels, but for somebody that initiates contact as much as he does and doesn't make free throws, um, that really hampers his ability as a scorer. And now that he's 
making those free throws, that's the difference uh, between a 15-point-per-game score and a 20-point-per-game score. And um, with with how stagnant their offense gets at times, every point counts, um, especially the ones at the free throw line. And, it, and like you said, Ingram Ingram has been very good at that as of late. And it doesn't look like it's going anywhere. And I joked on Twitter about him visiting a shop doctor midway through the season, um, you know, because of how good he's looked, not just from the free throw line, but his three point, uh, the, the volume in which he's taken three pointers over the past few games has seen a slight uptick, um, which is great. Love it. Love to see it. And it, again, if if that three pointer starts knocked down, knocking down with any semblance of consistency, and he makes those free throws at a high rate, you're looking at a easily a twenty point per game score, if not a twenty five point point per game score. Uh, so I'm really, really, really excited about Brandon Ingram. Kyle yeah, Kuzma's. I, go ahead. I, I was just gonna say, you know, even if he's not knocking down all those three point shots, he's still taking them. Defenders have to close out on them. And you know, it presents more opportunities opportunities for him to attack those closeouts, get to the rim, if not convert at the rim, get to the free throw line, and then score from there. So you know, I, I think you know that three point shot you know opens up so much, whether it's falling or not for Brandon Ingram. Absolutely, and you know who was drafted ahead of him that doesn't take three point shots? Uh, does his name rhyme with Sen Bimmons? It does. It does. And um, I think I looked at his NBA bio the other day and it just says coward on it. So I don't know if that's a typo. I don't think it is. Um, But in all seriousness, shout out to Brandon Ingram. He's been killing it lately. Kyle Kuzma has been pretty consistent all season with the scoring. Uh, I think he's close to averaging 20, uh, 20 points per game on the season. He put up 22 against the Pelicans on Wednesday. Just an overall great game for the young guys, LeBron James, the bench. But as great as the win was, we're still looking at a tough road ahead to get back into the playoff picture, Grant. Um, What are some things you saw from the Pelicans game that you'd like to see them build on going forward? And I'll kind of set you up for this question uh, by asking... What did you think about the new look starting lineup with LeBron James at center? Hold on. Wait a second. I'd like to see Brandon Ingram embrace this nickname that I'm looking at on basketballreference.com. <laughs> Humble Beast? What? How have I not known? Humble Beast? <laughs> I, I knew about Tiny Dog because Tiny Dog is the other one knew- that they have on B-Ball Ref, but... Humble Beast. <laughs> I, I'm changing my Twitter name now. To humble, no, I'm kidding. Uh, but LeBron at center, I think, has you know, in Cleveland and and in times in Miami, has you know unlocked a lot of opportunities to just put a lot of shooters on the floor and uh, give the the Lakers or not the Lakers, but the team some versatility on both ends. Um, what we've seen with the Lakers, and evidently it hasn't been very good, is that they don't have a ton of shooters to put on the floor in a LeBron at the five lineup. Uh, but when, when you have him you know, playing center, it allows the team to just get up and down much easier. Uh, you don't have the weight on the big to run the floor and then, you know, establish an offense in the post. 
And so, you know, the offense runs a little bit faster, runs a little bit smoother, and, you know, it gives it gives LeBron an opportunity to kind of pick a, a more, I don't know, how do I say, uh, a more advantageous uh, matchup to use his athleticism, to right. you know, use his craftiness, to, you know, either, you know, find a step-back three on the left wing or, you know, get to the lane and, and hammer home a dunk. So, you know, I, I think, you know, it offers a lot of possibilities for the Lakers. It offers, you know, a lot of creativity with Luke Walton's lineups. But, you no, know, we haven't been able to see that, you know, total uh, go-all-out offensive kind of lineup with the Lakers because, frankly, they haven't been healthy. Frankly, they don't have enough shooters. Mm. Yeah, and um, I think LeBron at center is going to work in some matchups and, when you have a team like the the Pelicans who, you know, despite having Julius Randle, who we mentioned had a really good game, and Anthony Davis, um, the Lakers are going to be all right defensively with LeBron at center uh, because Julius Randle, despite him shooting a respectable percentage from the three-point line, uh, gets most of his work done in the paint. So the Lakers can live with him shooting. The same goes for Anthony Davis. Um, but when you go, when you go up against a team like the Milwaukee Bucks, who the Lakers are going to see on Friday, uh, and you have four spacing bigs like Nikola Mirotic, Ursan Ilyasova, and, uh, Brooke Lopez, of course, um, that's when it's going to be tough. And that worries me because one, I don't think the Lakers have a center on the roster that can defend the perimeter, um, which is probably going to end up in LeBron playing a lot of center. Uh, but also, even if they had like a traditional back-to-the-basket big, which Brook Lopez can be, Brook Lopez is a very talented uh, post-scorer, the Lakers' center depth right now is very bad because JaVale McGee has played very poorly. Tyson Chandler has fallen off of a cliff in part because uh, he's dealing with a nagging injury, uh, and Mike Muscala hasn't been all the Lakers thought he would be. So I think going forward, that's probably what concerns me more than anything is uh, that center rotation. Yeah. Um, it, it seems like they could use a young center who gets up and down the floor, protects the rim, and then, you know, is a reliable post scorer. If only they had a player like that on the roster and didn't trade him at the deadline. I can't re- like, I can't even think of a player like that. <laughs> I think that um, that Zubats kid on the on the Clippers. I I thought the Lakers uh, could use him, but I I don't think the well. The Clippers... I mean, like he gets dunked on sometimes, but <laughs> at least he tries hard. No, but um, <laughs> the the thing that I'm kind of questioning and and kind of puzzled with as I'm finding more and more throughout the season and and I don't mean this as Luke Walton slander but I do think it's fair to you know have criticisms of him as a coach mm-hmm. um his disdain for playing Mo Wagner right I I think that you know there is some things left to be desired in Mo's game uh, as is the case with a lot of young players but at the same time, it's like you you got to find out what you have in this kid, and I don't think he's played nearly enough minutes to you know see any of it. Yeah. Um. You know, 
ideally he brings everything Mike Muscala can bring. Um, but he offers, you know, more athleticism. He offers, you know, a chance at rim protection. He's at least uh, an engaged defender. Uh, right. He tries hard. He has the effort. I think that's, you know, one of the reasons why uh, Magic Johnson said that they, well, that he loved him pre-draft. And so I, I, I'm just kind of questioning why he hasn't gotten the burn. Um, I know tonight's game was a little bit more close. But, you know, in a time where Tyson Chandler has looked like a corpse running the floor and JaVale McGee has, you know, played kind of the opposite he's played uh, at the beginning of the year, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, you know, why not at least see what you have in Mo? And I, I feel like that's a reoccurring segment or at least something that I've been really repetitive with. I, I think both of us have uh, throughout this podcast because I, I don't know if it's it's kind of been unfair for, for Mo. I, I think he's at least deserving of a little bit bigger of a role in this offense when center is such a big need for the Lakers. Yeah. And you know, I wasn't, a, I wasn't a huge fan of the Mo Wagner pick. Cause you look, no. you look at guys that were drafted after him. You got Landry Shamit, who's now with the Clippers and is like a mini JJ Redick, uh, Robert Williams. Who's a high energy guy, Jacob Evans, Omari Spell, uh, Spellman, Elliot. Yeah, Obo. Spellman, I was going to say, yeah. Uh, Mitchell Robinson was taken like almost or exactly 11 picks after him. Um, it, yeah, it was just, it was, uh, I, I, I don't get, I didn't get the pick. I still don't get the pick, but if you're going to use the 25th pick on a guy, uh, your lone first round pick on a floor spacing center only to trade your starting center for another floor spacing center. I will never get that trade. Uh, but I especially don't get it because Mo has not seen the floor, and I think he should. Um, I'm not going to harp on that too much because you because you you touched on it, but I definitely think going forward, even if he isn't like as polished of a scorer or even a shooter as we as we would have liked to have him to have been, um, Mike Muscala hasn't been that either. And I I think once you take into that account, oh sorry, once you take that into account their games kind of level out. I, I think it's, um, you know, it's a, it's a close call and one, I think Luke has to make sooner rather than later. Um, we did get in. Yeah. Guess what Mitchell Robinson's stat line was yesterday, the 26th. You know, I, I, I did see that. Uh, he was like the first rookie since I don't know who to have like more than five blocks in the game to go along with double digit re- Bounce, 17 am I remembering points, that correctly? Yeah. 17 points, 14 rebounds, six blocks. Boy, Jesus. could the Lakers use <laughs> and he's like, maybe half of that performance. <laughs> he, and he's like 19 too, right? Because he, he was is so he was, young and he was really, really linked to the Lakers pre draft. Right. There was a lot of that. smoke about yeah. that before the draft. And we were kind of waiting for almost the inevitability of the Lakers picking him, you know. And you know, I, I think um, pre-draft there's a lot of talk with with Svi, how the Lakers yeah. like him, but Mitchell Robinson, it seemed like he was going to be a Laker pre-draft, and now he's a Nick, and he's playing very well. So shout out to to Mitchell Robinson, <laughs> I guess, a player that the Lakers could definitely use. With a uh, 
with height of seven foot one and a wingspan of seven foot four. Yeah, and I I mean, you know, I kind of get it. He didn't play in college. He he took a year off of school to get ready for the draft. Those are always mystery guys, but I mean, from physical tools alone, he should have been considered with the twenty fifth pick. Um, that that the whole draft was was a big giant question mark to me that I'll never understand. But uh, you know, whatever. I guess life goes on. Uh, we did get an update on one of our former draft picks, uh, and of course, talking about Lonzo Ball, who. From the Lakers' perspective, we've heard radio silence about him for the past five weeks. Uh, And it's been almost six weeks since he suffered that grade three ankle ankle sprain that's kept him out the last 14 games. And we'll get an update on him tomorrow. Grant, what are you expecting from that update? Um, I kind of expressed this in the uh, Silver Screen Roll Slack, but... I, I think it's going to be, you know, something saying he's going to be out at least one or two more weeks. Um, the Lakers, well, Lonzo Ball traditionally has taken a little bit longer to to heal from his injuries uh, than, you know, expected. And with this Lakers training staff, you know, you, you'd never really know. So, um, you know, I'm going to err on the side of, you know, give him more time and let him come back fully healthy. Uh, I, I just don't think this is something the Lakers can afford to rush. Um, I think they can, and and forgive me for saying this, because I know that you know I've had such a curse in my predictions <laughs> with the Lakers this year. Like, yeah. whatever I say, the opposite happens. So I on, on the show with uh, Chris Manning, LD2K, I, I said that the Lakers would make the playoffs. And so I'm going to actually bow out of that. I'm going to remain neutral i'm going to remain silent on that for the rest of the time for the lakers sake because you know and 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 so it's back to my original point i i think they can do an okay job of staying afloat in the playoff race mm. and once lonzo ball comes back I, I i think we can see that ramped up a little bit more i'm hoping to see that i'm not going to say they're going to right. um but yeah i i, I don't think lonzo is going to be back soon uh there's a chance he could be day-to-day but who knows what do you think christian i i think it's going to be another month until we see him and unfortunately i think by then the lakers will know their playoff fate for better or for worse um and you know we're hoping we're really hoping it's for the better and if that's the case lonzo can really help them you know be the difference between that seventh and eighth seed, but really being the difference between seeing the Warriors and the Nuggets in the first round. And I think he answers a lot of the, the, the problems they have on the floor right now on the defensive end and taking care of the ball. Um, so I'm excited for him to return. I'm just not anticipating it to be anytime soon. Yeah. Um, but so, I, yeah, here's the thing. The Lakers need a point guard. Uh, I, I think depth is, you know, the biggest thing for them. I, I don't think Luke Walton can afford to, to leave the Lakers, you know, on the floor without one of Brandon Ingram or LeBron James. Um, but Tim Frazier was just waived by the New Orleans Pelicans. Yeah, I saw that. I don't know if he's a guy that could help the Lakers, but Christian, do you have any sort of, you know, feelings towards Tim Frazier. I know that you no know, there aren't a lot of free agent point guard options, you know, out there right now. Yeah. I think that's been 
really, really clear throughout this whole buyout process, this whole uh, um, pro- uh, time frame where Lonzo Ball has been hurt, where literally every Lakers ball handler has been hurt. Um, right. Do you have any sort of feelings towards Tim Frazier? And do you think that he could help the Lakers if well, you do? This, yeah, this, this is actually a perfect segue uh, into one of the last questions I have for you before we go. Um, tomorrow, uh, or it, it, it will be Thursday uh, by the time this episode goes up. So Thursday is the deadline for players to sign with teams and still be playoff eligible. Uh, so if the Lakers were to sign somebody like a Tate Frazier, it would have to be tomorrow. Tim. Tim, Tate Frazier. Why, Tate Frazier. Why does this, that sound familiar? The Ringer. So, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, that's where it is. Um, Tim Frazier, if they were to sign him, it would have to be within the next 24 hours. Uh, and I think he is definitely one of the better available, not just point guards on the, on the market, but players on the market. Because you look at the buyout market as is right now, um, you're looking at guys like, Carmelo Anthony, Quincy AC. Um, I feel like I'm missing a few big ones, but I know Ramon Sessions is still a free agent. Mario Chalmers, uh, Marcin Gortat is still a free agent. Greg Monroe, um, you know, big name players, but not anybody that I think can really move the needle for the Lakers. All those guys, uh, Dwayne Ellington's, Wesley Matthews, Markeith Morris, all those guys are you know, not options for the Lakers anymore because they pass uh, to sign with teams that have a better pl- chance at the playoffs or just teams that could offer them a better role. So uh, Tim Frazier, eh, I'd be I'd be all right with it. I do think the Lakers need another point guard, but I also think they need a backup four, um, which, <laughs> you know, could probably play the backup four. No, no, I don't know. Carmelo not- Anthony! Wearing number seven. Now, um, how can I? How how quick can I disconnect <laughs> from this call? <laughs> Where did he go? Syracuse, right? Syracuse, yes. From Syracuse and... University, Carmelo Anthony. Because you know the guy at Staples. That Center. was a really good impression <laughs> of the the Lakers uh, Lakers announcer. Wow, I because yeah. uh, he's a, he's not he's a very low energy guy. It's not like the Atlanta Hawks or anything. He's like Carmelo Anthony. It's uh, but yeah, it's very, uh, if he's ever sick, like if he ever <laughs> needs like some vacation time and the Lakers have a few home games, I think they'd be in good hands if they just <laughs> left it with you. Yeah. Not my, my point is not a ton of sexy options on the buyout market right now, except uh, Grant Goldberg. I, I think it's fair to say that you know he can add shooting. He's a good morale guy. Lots of positivity. <laughs> loves to make jokes. Really good locker room presence. <laughs> I, I, I can only imagine you in the Lakers locker room. It would it would be hard for it to be as somber as it currently is right now with you in the locker room. All right, Grant. A few quick hitters before we go. Uh, game predictions starting with Friday in at Staples Center against Giannis Antetokounmpo. And the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks are so good, and the Lakers are not. And that worries me. Um, I did joke that the Bucks—they're probably going to beat the Bucks, only to lose to the Suns in Phoenix on Saturday. But uh, if we're being realistic here, I think the Lakers lose by a lot on Friday. Yeah, it's going to be a humbling game. Um, <laughs> not that we're—you know—our spirits are so high after. 
uh, a, a win over the lowly Pelicans that we just lost to. So, yeah, I, I think um, our, our playoff hopes are going to still be kind of in the in the dungeon right now after that game. Yeah, and it, they're, they're still, if I'm reading the standings correctly right now, uh, they're still three games back of the eighth seed despite all of the Clippers, Kings, and Timberwolves losing. I mean, they're back in the 10th seed. They were the 11th seed before uh, the Pelicans game. So, you know, they're inching closer by the by the day, but still a little ways to go. And I think by the end of this week, they'll be uh, – I'm, I'm sorry. By the end of next week, they'll probably be a 500 team. So by the next time we meet, I can see them being a 500 team because after they're, they're in Milwaukee – uh, they'll see the Suns in Phoenix, and then they'll be back at home to take on the Clippers on Monday. And that you know, it might it might be just the high of the game they just won, but uh, I think they take both of those games after after uh, a tough loss or what I'm expecting to be a tough loss in in uh, against Milwaukee. Yeah, uh, I think they're gonna definitely be be uh, basketball games played. Um, there's going to be passing, dribbling and, and shooting, um, defense is still questionable, uh, but I will not select a winner in any of these games. There will be a lot of, uh, both rebounding and, (laughs) and free throws. So I, I think, you know, whoever scores more points is going to win the game. That's where I stand. Um, the Lakers are without Avica Zubats facing the Suns, who murdered them last time they played. So really, I can't say for sure how that game is going to go. So uh, yeah, that's my prediction on at least the Suns game and every game going forward throughout the season. Well, then I, I'll just close with my thoughts on the Nuggets game uh, next Wednesday, which is the next time we'll Yikes. talk to you all. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a tough one. Uh, but interestingly enough, the Nuggets have, or sorry, the Lakers have had some luck with the with the Nuggets, not just this season, but last season as well. I know you remember uh, that wonderful Isaiah Thomas game towards the end oh. of the season where we got that beautiful picture of him just <laughs> zooming by Nikola Jokic like, uh, like uh, what's his name from Tom and Jerry. Um, I can't think of his name right now. His cousin, Speedy Gonzalez. That's what I'm thinking of. I hope I don't show my age with that one. But um, yeah, it was uh, it was a, a a good game. If there's anybody I would want the Lakers to see in the playoffs, like if I had to choose between the Warriors and the Nuggets, I'd I'd go with the Nuggets because again, they've it's just one of those teams they've they've had luck with uh, in in recent games. Well, I I think the we can go back to the point about LeBron at the five. The matchup of him versus Nikola Jokic is so hot and cold because offensively, that is what you want with yeah. LeBron at the five. <laughs> Defensively, that is a nightmare. And generally speaking, with the Lakers lineup at center, whoever plays the five, whether it be JaVale, Tyson, Moe, or LeBron or even Kuzma, who we've seen match up against Jokic, and it just does not go well. 
it's not going to go well for the majority of NBA centers. He does so much for the Nuggets offense. He right. can score at so many levels, and you know it's it's incredible what he can do at his shape. Um, <laughs> That's but, I, I I wish somebody would uh, have that analysis about me. I would I would pay so much money to have Kevin Harlan just tell me that I do great things for my shape. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, defensively, it's as as expected at with somebody at his shape. So, you know, there's, there's that kind of matchup where it's going to be whoever does more at the, the five spot for their offense. If the Lakers were to match up with the Denver nugget team in the playoffs, um, I, I still think the nuggets are really good. Um, yeah. And it's going to take a completely different offensive effort from the Lakers than we've seen in the last, you know, 20 games. Uh, to you know, make it a competitive series. Uh, I think Denver's a super tough place to play. I think the the Nuggets are like 19 of 20 in their last home games, which is crazy. Yeah. But and I could be totally wrong. And so you know, someone I, I, we don't have a fact check. We have an intern now, um, <laughs> Megan. If you are listening to this, go ahead, check it out, and then report back. Um, but the Nuggets are really, really good basketball team, so I'm not ready to kind of put the Lakers above them yet in a, a seven-game series, in a five-game series, in a two-game series. So, you know, we can go ahead and and dream about that, but until we see, you know, major changes from this Lakers offense, it's it's hard to pick them against the majority of playoff teams in the West right now. I agree. And the Lakers have to get there first. That's the most important thing. Grant, thanks so much for hanging out with me. Uh, and thank you all for, for listening to another episode. Uh, we're almost 20 deep in this podcast, which is great. I hope you guys enjoy the show. And if you enjoy listening to Grant and I speak about basketball, head on over to iTunes, leave us a kind little review, five-star rating. If you think it's worth that, um, and if you don't like our show and you're still listening, I don't know what you're doing here, uh, but we're leaving. So we will see you all next week.